Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop, which is taking place on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer to sign up. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to identify simple solutions and systems that will make a massive difference and ripple effect inside of your center. I'm going to help you create efficiency where you need it most and understand what is causing your school to feel so hectic and where those big pain points are. We're going to clarify your center's priority system to improve this summer. I'm going to show you how to audit those systems. We're going to define your desired outcomes, and you're going to leave the workshop with a simple plan that will make huge impact. And by simple, I mean very simple. No complex, no multi-step processes. Super, super simple. No one has time for long things. No one has brain capacity for extra stuff. We need simple things that have massive impact. Go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer, and I'll see you there. Welcome to the Schools of Excellence podcast, where we have conversations about education, leadership, and building a school of excellence. The goal on this show is to bring you clarity, up-level your mindset, and give you practical strategies and inspiration so you can show up with confidence and trust your decision-making. I'm Khani Wolshansky. I'm a mom of four under 10, a former New Yorker, and been in the early childhood field my entire life. And I'm so grateful that you've joined me for this conversation. Welcome back to another episode of the Schools of Excellence podcast. So today's episode is an interesting one. It's about tolerating good enough for long enough to create excellence. So this is going to be a very different kind of episode. We're going to really delve into this concept of what it means to tolerate good enough. Because in our pursuit of perfection, and this is air quotes, we often really overlook the value of allowing room for growth and for progress. So like I shared in some of our previous episodes, we live in this extremely fast-paced, very demanding professional world. And it's very easy to fall into the trap of expecting this immediate perfection or results from ourselves and from those around us. So we really need to understand what this transient phase of good enough and why it's necessary, particularly when you're working with new staff. We need to recognize that everyone has a learning curve and requires time to acclimate and develop skills that is crucial for their success and the overall team's performance and culture. And so tolerating good enough is not about settling for mediocrity um, and a lot of other things that people feel like good enough looks like. It's really about exploring the strategies and practical ideas for effectively managing the balance between good enough and excellence. So. What does it mean to tolerate good enough? Good enough refers to the mindset of accepting a satisfactory level of performance and understanding that it requires time and effort and incremental progress to achieve a higher standard of excellence. Now, the reason why this feels can, can feel really kind of jarring or earth-shattering is because we live in a world that glorifies perfection and immediate results. Okay, I'm going to say that again. We live in a world that glorifies perfection and immediate results. And that 
hurts not only our personal ambitions, um, it hurts culture, it hurts growth, it hurts opportunity, it hurts a lot of things, actually. So this concept of tolerating good enough encourages in a balance of understanding realistic expectations and approaches to take towards personal and professional growth. We need to note that good enough is not a one-size-fits-all approach, which is a big thing that young directors are seeking. So if you're an owner and you're thinking about some of your young directors, or if you're an owner and you are starting to build your admin team, a lot of times when I talk to potential clients on the phone or I speak to uh, owners or directors at conferences, they are looking for a one-size-fits-all approach. They're looking for a one give me the box training, how to be a good leader in in five weeks or whatever it is, training course. Here's the thing you need to understand. There is no such a thing as a one-size-fits-all approach. It doesn't exist, right? Because every single person's good enough is different than the other person's good enough. This is why I created the Directors in Our Circle. This is why I created our Owners HQ program and our year-long ongoing mentorship and training program, because there is no one-size-fits-all. You need individualized coaching and mentorship to understand how to take where your good enough is or your skill set is to that next level. So please stop looking for professional development in a box because it's broken. (laughs) It doesn't work. We need to understand that good enough requires thoughtful consideration, the specific person in specific areas in this specific season of life. While some endeavors require a much immediate higher standard, there are certain situations that are very beneficial to prioritize a slow incremental growth towards excellence because it requires experimentation, exploration, other skills need to be like tacked on to that. So when we approach it from this one size fits all, and you're like, you know, the teacher on day 20, she already needs to know how to do a child observation and write a report and talk to the parent and run a parent conference and lead a transition. And I'm like, no, she's been in the classroom for 20 days. All she needs to know how to do is this. You need to lower your expectation, not your standard, your expectation, your standard is one category. Your expectation of what the teacher can do is a totally separate category. And the leader needs to know how to tolerate good enough from their staff for long enough in order to develop the relationship and the skill development and the mental stamina and mental acuity that it takes to go in the pursuit of excellence. When someone is brand new and they're on day one and they don't even know where the freaking bathroom is or where the fridge is or where to put their lunch or where to hang up their coat. And you're, you know, laying on all these standards of like all the things that they need to be amazing. at. they're like, where's the bathroom? Like, wh- where do I clock in? Like, wh- where's the chairs? Like, take a breath. And. This is like a whole separate conversation of like why we have, you know, revving up the engine on day one and why we don't tolerate good enough for long enough. It's so much of our own insecurities. Mass is like, but they need to be amazing. But we're an amazing school. Okay, great. And when you first started the school, you were horrific compared to who you are today. Um, You were actually quite a big, you know, loyal disaster um, because we all are compared to where we are today. I hope that we look back to where we started our career and we cringe at the way that we used to talk to parents. I hope that the way you talk to parents now and the way that you spoke to parents 20 years ago makes you cringe. It should, 
because you should have grown up in the last two decades and speak to people in a different way. I hope that your teenage years cringe you of like, oh my God, I can't believe I thought that was important. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that's how I spoke to my boss. I can't believe I expected that from my parents. Yes, it's part of the human experience. We grow up and we realize that we did a lot of dumb shit when we were little and we said a lot of stupid things and now we're more emotionally mature and evolved. We don't do those things anymore. Lovely. Your staff are young. They are in their 20s or their 30s or whatever. Or this is their first job in the real world where mama ain't showing them exactly what they need to do all the time. And they're terrified and they don't want to make mistakes. And now you have all these expectations of them. Breath. What are the standards? And what are you going to tolerate as good enough? Right? Is it good enough that the counters were clean? Were they not clean the way that you would like them to be cleaned? Probably. Probably. But is it good enough? Is it good enough? So there's a lot of different studies that have been done around good enough. And one study explored, uh, this was done by the Harvard Business Review, just around growth mindset in general. Um, You know, the impact of setting realistic expectations and providing support for new employees is it allows new employees to perform without excessive pressure. And when we don't have excessive pressure, it creates the space to actually perform satisfactory levels of performance. And so by tolerating good enough during the initial stages of onboarding, your school can actually create an environment that fosters fosters the growth of learning, of skill development, and ultimately way higher levels of excellence. There was a meta-analysis conducted by Grant and Carol Dweck back in 2003, and they examined the impact of high standards and providing support uh, for performance improvement, right? And the results showed that individuals who were given challenging goals, but also received constructive feedback and guidance on how to achieve those high levels of, of performance, right? Compared to those who faced strict and rigid expectations, The research supports the notion that tolerating good enough during the learning phases facilitates the eventual excellence. We're just so freaking damn impatient. I just said it as it is. We are just so impatient. We are so impatient in our ability to tolerate good enough for long enough. We want everything yesterday. We do not want to tolerate anything less than excellence. And I am not telling you to lower your standards ever have the highest standards, but please understand that a 19 year old teacher who's never had a job before, and this is her first day is not going to live up to that standard. It doesn't work like that. When you were 19, you didn't live up to that standard either. Stop thinking that that's realistic. Stop, just stop doing it. Right. You were 19 once and in a new job, or wherever you were when you were 19 or 20. There is no way in the world that you lived up to the high standards of the job that you were in. It's not possible. You were too young and your brain wasn't even fully developed. We need to understand what 
expectations need to look like for our staff. And this is why the cookie cutter approach drives me mad because tolerating good enough from a 19 year old and tolerating good enough from a seasoned 45 year old teacher who's been in your school for two decades is a very different expectation of good enough, right? Good enough for the teacher who's been in the field for two decades and been in your center for 15 is a very different good enough for the 19 year old who literally just got her driver's license yesterday and is like the first time she has her job and her freedom. And she's like, yay, I have my own job. Yes, you do. You're going to get your own paycheck with your own name on it. And you're going to pay a thousand billion dollars in taxes because you have no dependents. And like, welcome to the real world. Like have a party. Let me teach you, right? What it actually looks like. So the the reason I share all of this is because like we need to understand seasons of life, different employees, different expectations, different desires in life. I still remember the reason I shared the tax story is so funny. I remember when I was 19 and I got my first job, right? And then I get my first paycheck. And so on the contract, it said, you know, what I was going to get paid because I was an employee. So what I was going to get, what my, my monthly salary was going to be, and I was getting paid every two weeks and I get my first paycheck and I'm like, oh my God, there's like, I made no money. And I'm like reading that I'm looking at the number again. And again, I'm like, there's something wrong here. Like, how come this is so little? And I had no idea. And I went to my boss and I was like, I'm sorry, there, there must be some sort of mistake. Like, this is not what we made up. And then she shows me the other side of the pay stub. Um, it's the first time I learned what a pay stub was. And she's like, oh, dear, these are the taxes that you pay when you, you know, work as an employee. You remember you filled out a W-2 when you started working here. I, she was speaking Chinese to me. I'm like, W-2, taxes, what are you talking about? I no idea what she was talking about. That was my brutal awakening into the real world of like actually making a paycheck, which is a very funny story for a different day also about like the whole paycheck thing. So why am I sharing this? What you need to understand when it comes to good enough is like, where is this person in their journey of life, in their understanding of work ethic, in their understanding of developmentally appropriate practice inside of a school, in their understanding of human relationships, right? There's so much that's going on here. And as the leader, we need to take a step back and ask ourselves, what is good enough for this employee? What is good enough for this employee? So let's go through some ideas. When teachers come in on day one, right? Before teachers come in, right? Like when you're doing your own creative thinking time or you know, reworking on company standards or the handbook or whatever it is, I want you to ask yourself some questions. First question, what will sink our ship? If a teacher did this, our doors would be shut down. If a director did this, our doors would be closed. If a, you know, admin person or assistant director or curriculum advisor or enrollment specialist or regional manager, whoever's on your org chart, I want you to put next to their like job title. So whatever your org chart is, fill out what tanks the ship. What is something that if that person did it or that role did it, right? doesn't necessarily need to have a name next to that person. That role did this thing. It tanks the ship. The whole business goes under. Why do you need to know that? Well, that's your starting point of good enough. You got to do this. This is part of good enough in my company. Because if you don't do this, my door shut down and we don't have a business anymore. Okay. You need to know what is the absolute bare basics that each 
role in the company needs to do in order to keep your doors open. Okay. Then we go up a little bit more. Okay. Now let's talk about health and safety. Well, safety first. Okay. What does each role need to do for the bare basics of good enough in safety? Count the kids, make sure all the kids come home, right? Every kid goes home with a clean diaper and a clean face. What, like, what are your standards of safety and good enough in the toddler room, in the infant room, in the three-year-old room, in the four-year-old room, in the five-year-old room? What are the bare basics of good enough? Now, you might be listening to this and thinking, okay, that's a really gruesome exercise. Yes. And it is going to help you realize that the vast majority of your staff are actually doing good enough. And then you can start to move them to the next stage of excellence, depending on their age, their season, their years of experience, their skill set, their mindset, their capacity level, etc. Next question I want you to look at. What is good enough for you? For you. What is your standard of good enough? Meaning. If you did nothing else in a day, you would have to do these two, three things for you to tell yourself, I did good enough today. The reason answering these questions is like freedom, actual freedom, is when you know the answers to those questions, every single day, you're crushing it. You're doing good enough. And you can set higher mile markers for yourself because you know you've covered the basics. Right. And you have different levels of conversation with your team members after the first couple of weeks of a new staff member, after they've hit all your good enoughs, then you sit down with them and you say, OK. You've mastered the foundations of being a teacher inside of our school. These were our foundations. These were our good enoughs. And you've mastered them. You're doing phenomenal at them. Now I want to move you to the next level. I want to invite you to go to the next level. And here's what the next level looks like. Right. I think you're ready to start leading transitions inside of the toddler room. I think you're ready to, you know, have a difficult conversation with a parent. I'm going to help you. I will prepare you. I have content. I have training and you're ready for it. Someone who doesn't understand how to change a diaper or clean a table or organize a block center cannot go and have a conversation with a parent. Right. There's there's like like it, it, it goes in like there's a hierarchy. Right. There's an understanding of like, first, you got to know how to do this. Then you can go do this. Right. But teachers come in and the directors want them to know how to do all of this. It's like, it doesn't work like that. It absolutely does not work like that. So now let's go back to you. What do you need to tolerate right now that is good enough? Because you are pursuing excellence in another bucket. This is like a whole other angle here that I want to touch on real quickly. When you are pursuing excellence in a particular area, right? So let's say, for example, you have a three-year-old teaching team and they have a couple of children in the classroom who are really struggling with the transitions. So anytime there's a transition there's either tantruming or there's crying or there's pushing or there's hitting or there's just absolute meltdown of, you know, just complete dysregulation. 
And so these teachers are being called upon and stepped up that they need to up level the quality of their transitions and they need to make sure it's adaptive to all of the children inside of their classroom. And so they're putting more mental focus and energy into creating this really effective transition to assist all the children. They might need to tolerate good enough in how the tables are wiped down. So for example, I'll give you actually a real life example that happened. When I was a director many years ago, we actually had this story where we had in a three-year-old room, we had a couple of kids who had a really hard time with transitions. And the teaching team was really, really struggling with the particular transition of lunch. After lunch, the kids would go play outside. That was their time schedule. And so the amount of things that had to get done um, between, you know, 15 three-year-olds finishing to eat lunch and getting coats on, right? This is New York City and hats and gloves and boots and scarves and getting all the kids outside while cleaning up for lunch. It was just, it was really chaotic in that classroom. And the teachers had to expend a lot of mental energy in the different styles of transition that they had to do, right? So they were doing verbal transitions. They were singing a song. They were doing a lot of kinesthetic part of transition. So they were being very physical with the kids, not physically hurting the kids. They were being physical in that they were using their hands. So they were saying, okay, everyone look over here. And they would like make motions. And there was music. There was all these different things that were going on to ensure that they were attacking all the different learners inside of the classroom. And it was pretty exhausting. And one day when they did this transition and worked really, really well, I came into the classroom while they were outside and the tables were a wreck, like a wreck. Everything was left out on the table. There was crumbs all over the floor. The garbage was overflowing. It was like horrid. And I was like, wow these teachers must have really, really had a difficult time transitioning these kids outside that they totally didn't even realize what they left inside of this classroom. So at the end of the day, um, I called them in for a meeting and I said, listen, guys, tell me how the transition was to go outside. And I wish I could, I wish you could have seen their excitement like their joy of, you know, we did this thing. And then, you know, um, I had a little puppet for little Sam and, um, and then he was able to go outside and it was just such a great transition. Like everyone was able to do it and no one was crying and it just worked so well. We were so proud of ourselves. And I said, I'm so proud of you guys. Like you really, really figured out how to get this transition down pat. And they were really sitting there just with like this, oh, just 10 feet tall with this high level of confidence and my mind is racing and I'm like, okay, honey, what are you doing right now? Like, are you going to like, you know, talk to them about the fact that their, you know, tables look like a pigsty? Um, are we going to talk about like how we're going to get that lunch table cleaned? Because they can't leave it like that every single day. Like, what, what are you going to do? So I decided to choose silence. And I was like, I'm so glad I called you in. I'm so glad you guys had a successful transition. Good for you guys. You know, enjoy the rest of your day. And I marinated it overnight. And I really sat in this notion of good enough. And I was like, okay, what is good enough in cleaning up after lunch? What is the absolute bare basics that these teachers need to do so they can focus more of their time and attention on the transition? Because these couple weeks, that's what's needed right now. So 
I created in my mind my own definition of what good enough looks like to clean up after lunch. And then I came in with an open mind and I called them back into the classroom in, into a meeting with me. And I said, this was again, the end of the day. I called them in. We had a conversation. I said, you know, how are the transitions today? Amazing. It was great. Neither of them had brought up the fact that the lunch table was a disaster. Like they, neither of them brought it up. So I said, listen, guys, I love that you guys are spending all of this time on building this transition. That's working really well. Here's a little kink in kind of the mix that's going on here that I really want to brainstorm with you guys how to figure out. You guys go outside right after lunch. That's all I had to say. And their, you know, their eyes kind of drooped down and their shoulders um, like, you know, slumped down. And they're like, yeah, I know. We left the classroom a disaster. And I said, listen, like, it's okay. Whatever happened, happened. Now we're talking about the future. And I want to brainstorm here with you guys. What is good enough in cleaning up after lunch? Like, what is good enough for you guys and for the school so that you can focus more of your time and attention on the transition? Because I get it. Like, you guys have been rocking this transition the last two days because you didn't have to concern yourself with cleaning up after lunch. So let's let's strategize. Like, what could we do, right? The kids are three. What could we do? So we sat down, we brainstormed through a bunch of different stuff. And what they came up with was good enough was going to be that every kid was going to throw their plate by themselves into the garbage. And that was it. That was the only thing they were going to look at, meaning the tables weren't going to be wiped down and the floor was not going to be swept. Just the plates were going to get into the garbage. And I said, okay, I will ask for one more thing. Besides were the kids throwing their plates in the garbage, any serving trays of food if it needs to get to the garbage, it needs to get to the garbage, or at the very basic, it needs to be covered. The food needs to be covered. No problem, they said. That was good enough. After them doing the transition enough times, they built the reps and the muscle memory. It moved faster. And without me prompting them, they moved to the next step of after lunch transition. And they wiped the tables down and they swept the floor and they put the food away and they did whatever it is they had to do. It was really hard as a leader to see the classroom in absolute disarray like that. Like it was a disaster. Uh, There was like mashed potatoes on one of the chairs. Like it was a mess. It It looked like a food fight. But I also knew that me mounting more responsibility on their shoulders in that season, right? And, and, and having them live to this higher expectation of after lunch cleanup while they're going through that particular transition would have broken them. It, it would not have worked, right? But now here's the nuance. Here's the discernment. And if you have not listened to this episode on discernment, go back and listen to my episode on discernment. Eight out of 10 leaders will hear this message and say, but that's not fair. What about all the other teachers who have to clean up after lunch? And they didn't have to do that. That's how babies speak. Grownups don't talk like that. So please don't talk like that. But it's not fair. I have a whole episode on getting out of the fairness game. This has nothing to do with fair. And and this is why leaders need to practice their discerning muscle. 
This is why you need to understand the difference between good enough for long enough to create excellence, right? Myself and that classroom needed to tolerate good enough of after lunch cleanup for long enough, which was actually only a week and a half, right? It wasn't a year. It was a week and a half. It was 10 days for long enough to be in the pursuit of excellence. Does that mean the classroom next door had to do that? No, they didn't have an issue with transitions. They had a whole separate thing with morning arrival that we had to work on, which is, I'm not going to go into here. Being a director, being a school leader, being an owner requires you to do this work. It requires you to understand that you need standards, you need expectations, but you also need to know how to be discerning in how you, you know, dish them out. And knowing your personal good enough and what is good enough in every classroom, what is good enough for each teacher will create a beautiful collaborative environment where your team is actually pursuing excellence and going after it. So remember monitoring progress over time, adjusting your approach as needed, right? That is the essential of the good enough journey to excellence. And recognize that transforming yourself into this level of excellence is a very gradual process of patience, of persistence, of effort, of regular assessments, of being open to making adjustments to your strategies, of monitoring progress. Like this is what we do inside of our inner circle and our owner's HQ program and our legacy. We're constantly coming back to the coaching calls and reassessing Where is this teacher holding? Where is this admin person holding? Are they ready for the next level? Have they moved past the good enough? Are you ready to pursue them to the next area of, you know, ambition? Tolerating good enough for long enough is not about mediocrity or subpar standards. It's about really understanding the game that you're playing, which is the decades game and building legacy. So thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you are loving the Schools of Excellence podcast and have gotten any value out of it for your school, I would love if you can do two things for me. One, subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And two, can you please leave us a review? Reviews help other school leaders know that this is the place to learn how to build a school of excellence. And I would be so grateful if you can do that for us. Your help and support makes this show to be able to be listened by the thousands of other school leaders all around the world. Thanks so much for listening, for giving us your time and attention each and every week. And I appreciate that you have joined us. Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can click the link in the show notes or go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to optimize your already efficient systems or help you tweak some ones that need a little bit more tweaking to help you enter the 2024-2025 school year with ease, with success, and with calmness. Increase your profitability, reduce your expenses, and more than anything, just help you buy back some of your time. I look forward to seeing you there.